0: Simple it is. Welcome, everyone, to a very special evening. It's not going to be one of my ordinary relationship talks tonight. This is something that we've been working on for quite a while, and I'm excited to finally be able to talk about it, to share it with you. And before we get started, I have a couple of things that I want to tell you. Firstly, uh, we'd like to thank everyone who donated for tonight it really helps us continue putting these fantastic evenings together if you hadn't had a moment to donate uh, you can actually go to ndgraffle.com we have a raffle that's going to be starting starting now you can buy a raffle ticket you can win $10,000 and you can support our wonderful work if you haven't had an opportunity to make a profile yet on either jmontreal.com or jmatchmaking.com depending on whether you're in Montreal or you're outside of Montreal you can just use marketing code Rabbi's gift. It's my gift to you. It's completely free, and our database now has around fifty-eight thousand singles on it, and so a lot of people have had success. Also, um, tonight there's some singles here. I just heard today that a couple that met here in one of these programs uh, got engaged today. So, uh, yeah. So. What we do for these is a very simple thing. Some people are here just to learn and to grow and they don't want anyone bothering them. So if you don't want anyone bothering you, just put N a or not available in front of your name. So that way people know, don't bother me. If you are available, you can put, Oh, your age range. You can put your religious denomination. You could put your favorite food, whatever you want. And you never know as I'm talking, or Rabbi Yosh and I are talking, you may be having another conversation going on with someone else. You never know. Tonight, the sky is the limit. The world is your gefilte fish, and you never know what could happen. I was going to say another thing, but it wasn't kosher. Okay. Also, I want you to know one other thing, and that is that tonight we're going to be presenting some incredible ideas. So for the past few years, I've been working with my colleague here, Chabad and Nijia by Berkowitz, and we've been working with singles. We've been coaching them. We have been um, trying to help, especially singles who have been dating and they want to get into a serious relationship, but they've had a difficult time getting into a serious relationship. So we have used a system. The system has been tested. Now, what we're going to do is we're going to talk about it tonight, but we're also going to be opening up two cohorts, one for men and one for women, 20 people each. It's going to be a very special cohort. Um, And we're going to be doing a six-week program. The cohort for women starts in the beginning, in the middle of June, and the cohort for men in the middle of July. I'm putting the, the links here if you want to find out more about them. And you can uh, go through this really amazing uh, program that is going to revolutionize the way that you date and completely change it. So I'm encouraging you to take a look at that. Uh, there's only six spots left in the women's program. Uh, and there's, but the, the men's program just launched launch tonight. So you will have uh, an opportunity to uh, to join if you like. Um, I'm going to pin Rabbi Yosh now. I'd like to welcome my colleague, from Chabad and DG, Rabbi Yosh, to the stage. Uh, For those of you who don't know him, we've been working together for almost 10 years here at Chabad and DG. Also, um, he holds a master's from McGill in educational psychology. He's been working with so many singles and uh, really uh, also one of the secret brains behind a lot of the stuff that we do here. And... uh, this is, I think, the first time that we're sharing the stage together uh, for
1: one of these events. Is that right? Uh, yeah, more yeah, just for a few minutes here and there. I think oh, we did okay. one- We did something. Oh, that's right. Oh, that's okay.
0: right. You did come in in one of our events with with uh, Dr. Romanelli, but this is the first time that we're really sharing the stage together. And there's a reason why we're sharing the sharing the stage because we really want to present something that is going to get you thinking now. I want to just say there's a couple triggers that, that may happen as a result of listening to some of the stuff we're going to talk about tonight. Number one, this we have a, an underlying idea, and that idea is that most of the people, most of us here that want to get into a, relation, a relationship want to get into a long-term relationship. So we're going to use that that as the common denominator, as the underlying idea here. That the goal is to get into a relationship that will lead to being a long-term relationship. Is that correct, Rabbi A Long-term committed relationship. Yeah. So let's let's get started. What do you think? Are you know we talk about tonight? We're talking about the DNA of relationships. What do you think is the DNA? What is the so? You know, here we have this group is a group of singles. They're not married, so why do you think that singles need to know about relationships
1: in order to date properly? Uh, just before I answer that question, Rabbi, there's one I think important thing we should clarify about the six week course that you mentioned. If the uh, sure. the course is being geared to people, that six week course is being geared to people who are doing shidduchim. You know, uh, I don't have a good translation for that. Who are, who, who are dating
0: via matchmaker?
1: <laughs> yeah, via matchmaker and through, um, it's kind of geared for the uh, the dating process used by Chabad, by Litvish, uh, by modern Orthodox people, right? It's a little bit of more of a controlled process, so I just want to clarify that. Um, okay, we're signing up, right? I think it's important. It's that—that's yeah, it's absolutely,
0: great. yeah. So, so this particular cohort, we are going to have a cohort for people who are dating more secularly, as we call it. Uh, but for now, we're going to focus on these two groups specifically, and you're going to see this tonight specifically because a lot of what we're going to be talking about is going to be taking a very different look. So, if you have never dated religiously before, if you have, you're going to see something new here. If you haven't, you're also going to have a different idea for as far as what the dating process is and what is valuable. So let's go into relationships. why we called it the DNA of healthy relationships. Why are we talking about
1: relationships and not calling it the DNA of healthy dating? Right. Well, so for me, I think it starts with my background in education, like you mentioned, the main paradigm in education, something called backwards design uh, where you start with the goal where you want to end up, and then you design the educational experience backwards uh, from that. You start with that, and then you say, okay, if we want the learner to end up there, if that's the goal, well, how do we end up there? And you work your way backwards. So if you want if you, you want dating to lead to, like we said before, a long-term and committed relationship, so what well, we need to know, well, what what are the elements of a long-term committed relationship? Can we systemize that? Can we Can we summarize it? Can we generalize it? And then can we make something that helps people date and helps them get to that result? That's the question. That's, a, that's, that's I think, a huge question because a lot of people
0: are not thinking about that. I mean, that, see. Okay, so there's two things here that I see, especially in my experience, uh, talking to people and coaching people and, and having conversations with people about their relationships. So one, one thing that I see is people who are so committed to long-term relationships, that they're going from zero to 100 in a minute. Like they're like, okay, is this the right one for me? Is this the one? Okay, this could be the one. Oh my gosh, he has a nose, she has eyes. This could be it, this is amazing. And then there's the opposite. People who have no idea what to do after number one. Which means the Mm -hmm. whole setup is for for one moment, is for one date, is for one swipe right or swipe left, and no one's thinking anything afterwards, which means the whole system is set up. Yeah. For, so I see these two extremes. I don't see
1: very much in the middle. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. I mean, and that's why um, what we're looking at tonight, we're looking at in terms of stages. Three, you know, uh, th- the number three has a very special significance. You know, uh, things usually come in threes. So, the way we've kind of systemized it, um, and the way I look at it is that there are three major questions that need to be solved three, you know, issues that need to be solved to form the DNA of, the, of a healthy relationship. And if you jump ahead of one of those questions, you're asking for trouble. Um, if so you skip, what are those things? Right. So what let's, so stage one, stage two, stage three. So stage one is um, attraction between personalities, which we can define in a really technical way. There's a lot of scientific research on what that means. And that's a really easy thing to define. There's tons of academic information on that. And that's really easy to do. So attraction and when we talk, when we talk, so yeah. And when we say attraction, we're really talking about Attraction as a a function or as a product of two personalities. And those words all have a technical meaning. We can really define. The second stage is the interaction between values, qualities, and purpose. And that's... Values, qualities,
0: and purpose. And how they interface?
1: Yeah, between the two people. Um, And that's a much harder thing to talk about just because... You know, our, unfortunately our universities don't, and our, you know, don't research this as much. We have a lot of information on this from the Torah. It's a very important thing, you know, in Judaism, but as far as like a shared technical language that we can use, there's much less research on, on values and things like that. And it's not as clear cut, but nevertheless, we can do it. We can have a conversation. We can talk about that stuff. Okay. And then the last and number three. Yeah. And then the last element uh, that forms the DNA of a healthy relationship is um you know i have trouble finding a good word i'm still debating a good word to kind of sum it up but i would call it the ability to let yourself be hurt the ability to let yourself be hurt i'm putting this in the in the yeah but it's it's, it's a lot it's it's so much more than that but i think that's just a really good you know uh, it's a certain way of putting it because people use words like vulnerability. Oh, can you be vulnerable? Can you open yourself up? Can you, you know, it's, I guess the, if, really it should be called, um, achieving emotional intimacy, but I want to put those, that in words that are very visceral that people can understand. And the only way you're going to achieve emotional intimacy is the ability to let yourself be hurt. And that's really what it means. In fact, so I just prefer to call it that.
0: As we get into this, um, I I encourage you to open a document on your computer, to pull out a pen and paper. Uh, We're going to talk about some very, uh, some stuff that you probably have never heard about. Some of it is going to be science based, some of it's going to be Judaism based tonight. Also, if you have any questions as we're talking about it, put it into the chat. You can even just direct message me. You can literally just chat. Um, uh, You can just go direct message so nobody else can see it. And if you have a question, either I'll answer it during the class. Or when we get to the Q&A in about a half an hour, I will answer it or either of us will answer it then. So let's talk about attraction. Attraction is huge because Mm -hmm. most people are using – let's start with picture. They're using picture as a way to be able to navigate the system, whether you're dating in a religious environment where it's resumes and profiles or you're dating in a secular environment where you're swiping. It's a picture. What's the problem, or, or or not the problem? The pro of using pictures.
1: Well, I think that um, pictures are easily misused. <laughs> uh, it's you know I, the truth is I don't want to go into much. There's a lot of differences between different kinds of people and what's important to them. You know, when it comes to like you're talking about the the, the visual aspect, the superficial aspects. The, the for me when you're talking about pictures the important question is how do you use it properly right that's a great question how do you how use, it use it properly? properly how do you use it properly right so for example you know these days you know even you know the religious amongst the religious dating right i looked up my wife on facebook before i met her when we were dating right as what kind of a person is she you know and what do you what do you learn from that and so there were certain things about, you know, let's say different pictures that were on Facebook that actually helped me say yes to, to date her, which I'm very happy about that. And for me, the key was, what is a picture? A picture is, is not just what somebody looks like. Um, and uh, if you want to use a really um, morbid kind of comparison to this, there's, you know, uh, you, you're, you connect, you can't, you're not attracted, if you're a healthy person. Okay, you're not attracted to a picture of a dead person, all right? And it's very morbid. There's something wrong with you, right? I see some reactions from the people in the video, right? Oh my gosh, that's bit, that, that's that's extremely There's morbid. something wrong with you. If that's the case, why? Why is there something wrong with you? Why is there something wrong? It's 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 considered like an illness, and there's a very good reason for that because we are attracted to more than the body when we look at somebody. OK, there are millions of data points that we collect when we look at somebody, whether it's a picture, whether it's a video, whether it's a person. OK, there's there's a huge amount of information that, that we don't read that our brain processes about the person we're looking at. And so, you know, I remember Robert Bernath and I were just, you know, playing around preparing for this class and we were discussing this. And He's like, well, you know, if you look at people, pictures of people that are considered attractive. They're all posing a certain way in a certain way. And the way they're posing is communicating a huge amount of information. And if you actually, you know, look into how, you know, these kind of pictures work, it's like there's an enormous amount of pictures in preparation that get to catch that moment of something being communicated, which is really alluring. And so that's what that's the key. Here, I'm, I'm uh, I want
0: to show them. I just Googled attractive people. Look at what came up. This is just, I just literally Googled attractive people. Like, look at all these these
1: pictures. We'll be back after a quick break.
0: Are you tired of swiping right on every dating app out there and still getting nowhere? Are you convinced that you'll forever be alone, surrounded by nothing but uh, cats and empty takeout containers? Hi, I'm Elisa Ben Shalom, the host of the new show, Jewish Matchmaking, which you can find on Netflix. And I'm the love rabbi, Rabbi Yistral Bernath, and we're inviting you to join us for Matchmaker Matchmaker. Each week, we'll answer one of your pressing relationship questions, from how to get over your ex to how to deal with your partner's annoying habits. So if you're ready to laugh, uh, cry, or maybe even find love then tune into Matchmaker Matchmaker, and it's available now wherever you listen to your
1: podcasts. Right, and you have like the scientific ones, right, where it's just like a flat expression, and that's what they use for scientific research. But other than that, it's kind of like there's something being communicated about the person in that picture. There's something that they're communicating which has to do with their state of being at that moment. And so a picture is a frozen moment of this person's state of being. And so the picture, one of the pictures that was, let's say, when I was researching, you know, should I date the person who became my wife? There was a picture of her, you know, when she was on this incredible vacation and she was so happy. And I said, wow, that is a state of happiness. That is a state of being. That I want the person that I'm married to be, to be capable of. When they're happy, that's what I want them to look like. I want them to be that happy because I'm not capable of getting that happy. I'm kind of flat and wow, they're, that's like really special, you know? And so I think that, you know, it's really important for us to look at the uh, understanding that it's a a moment in time that's being taken. Sometimes a really bad moment in time. Sometimes like people look weird because that's just how pictures are. And uh, we have to look at the, the the element of personality that's being communicated in that moment. So, so, uh, so
0: just to 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 sum up this particular part of our our talk, if I were to put a picture on a profile, what is the ideal picture for me to put in order to be able to
1: be attractive? Well, it's 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 for me, it's about are you communicating something about yourself that's real and that's true. Right. So the thing that my, was being communicated in that picture of, life, of the woman who become my wife was the fact that she has a lot of emotional range and I'm, I'm quite emotionally stable. It's opposites. And I'm like, wow, I really like that. I like seeing that this this person has emotional range. That's what the picture told me. And there's uh, that's one of the five objective factors of personality. So
0: let's talk about these five objective factors of personality that come into play when it comes to this first level of attraction. Mm -hmm. how how does
1: that work yeah so uh, if you you know there's a lot of different systems understanding personality and the first idea here that's really important is that we have to understand that you know attraction between two people is a product of their personalities right and that's a big statement in and of itself we could argue about that but That's kind of one of the assumptions we're going to have to go with uh, is if we're going to fully argue that out, if you want to flesh it out, that would be in the course, you know, we'll spend an hour talking about that. But for now, I have to go with this assumption that attraction between two people we call chemistry is a product of their personality. Now, what's a personality, right? That has a definition too, right? So personality is a constellation of behaviors, um, it's not a box that you lock a person into that they have to be a certain way. And, um, it's just the best way we can understand it is that it's a pattern of behavior that applies a lot of the time. Their behavior mostly falls within a certain range. It can also sometimes fall outside of that range, but it's kind of like a, it's a pattern that they fall into. Um, and, uh, personalities don't change very quickly. They change, they could change, but they change very slowly. They change very slowly. Uh, throughout a person's lifespan and there's a huge amount of research being done on this. And so there's all kinds of different personality systems out there. And, you know, every time you go on Facebook, like which of the, you know, which of the friends are you from friends or which of the, this, or which, you know, all that. that's, that's not, that's, there's only one kind of gold standard uh, that's been empirically backed up for for personality. Uh, and that's called the the five factors, the big five factors of personality. And when you When you understand, oh, there we go. Thank you so much for making that a lot easier for me. That explains. And um, when you kind of, when you understand what these are, you see that you can actually analyze a person. You can analyze uh, a dating profile. You can see these like really, really clearly. Okay. Now, uh, these are the, this is this that you're looking at. This is the ocean acronym you have there. Ocean. If you read it from top to bottom, this is such a powerful tool, and I've actually done this with married couples. Right, Rabbi Bernatha actually, Alessandra uh, experienced this. Alessandra, who's here now, she experienced this in in an event we did once. Um, I've actually done this with couples where I could take um, I can assess two people's personality scores um, on each uh, on the five factors. And look for where the big differences are, right? Look for where one person is on one side and the other person is, is really different on that factor. And then I can tell the couple, well, I've never met you before, but here are the things that you argue about. And it it works. (laughs) It's really scary. All right. That's what I call the personality conflicts, which are okay. Personality conflicts are not a bad thing uh, necessarily. It depends. So, uh, and and that's it's kind of scary. And I've had rooms full of people being like, "How do you know that we argue about that?" I've done it a few times with different groups of people, and it's very consistent. Um, I can even kind of predict what kind of job a person has uh, using this. Uh, the these are, this is used extensively in and you know assessment for for uh, what kind of people should do what kind of jobs. So, um, but anyway, yeah. So we want how much. Do we, Rabbi, you want to ask me a specific question about this or? No, I want to just kind of, you know, obviously
0: we're talking about a very important range and it's something you can also look up, just look up the, the big five personality traits and you can see this and people are going to end up on different ranges. You're not going to be, I mean, if you, we actually have a test that we created that we can send you as well. If you want to find out where you fit into this and what's fascinating about it, this is one of our secrets of matchmaking is often you are going to find someone who's in the opposite range, which means if you are, they call low score or high score, they just do that. It's just it's scientific. I don't like some of the scientific terms they give to it, but it's just for the sake of, of the science of it. But you will find if you are someone, let's say the op- the first one is openness to experience, so, someone who has a low score, someone who's practical, a conventioner, uh, a conventional prefers routine. You know, the person who likes everything the same—that's an extreme version of someone with a low score. We call them closed to experience. Someone who has a high score, someone who's curious, has a wide range of interests, independent. They're open. They have an imagination. They have—they're—they're uh, they're really broad. Often, a match. Again, this is one of five. But a match is going to be someone who's more in the prefers routine in the box kind of person will like and be attracted to someone who is a little more out of the box, a little more likes new experiences. And that is a balance. It's not always that way. It could be that they could both be in the middle. But often, often the, these people will be on one or the other range. Even the next one, is, which is called conscientiousness. So someone with a low score is someone who's impulsive or or careless or disorganized. Where someone who has a high score is someone who's hardworking and dependable and organized. Funny enough, these are qualities that are complementary. We don't call them opposites. We call them complementary to each other because these two qualities together will make a whole unit. Remember, in Judaism, we truly believe That you and your soulmate are two halves of a whole. So, here you can see the science backing up this Jewish idea of two halves of a whole. I mean, we like it, it's so romantic, it's so wonderful, two halves of a whole. But there's actual science here where we can see that these two people who have complementary elements can very easily be matched up. The other one is extroversion, agreeableness neuroticism, yeah. uh, and again, cool. in the course, we're gonna go through these in great detail, but I just wanted to you to see this tonight so that you can already start seeing that you don't have to live in a world of a guessing game. You don't have to live in a world where I don't know what I'm looking for. I don't even know who I am. We actually have a, a very simple questionnaire that you can fill out. And if you want, you can message me, uh, you have my email because if you got on here, I must have emailed you. You can just message me, and I will send you that questionnaire. You can find out where you score, and that's going to help you understand where the person that perhaps you're going to want to be in a relationship with long term is going to score.
1: Yeah, and also uh, I just want to clarify one or two things you're talking about. Um, so we like there are couples. We we we've met couples so we've assessed that had all five uh, personality things the same. And then there are couples like me and my wife who are opposites on all five. And that's why I'm an expert on all five conflicts because I've experienced them all myself and I can act them out. <laughs> it's a lot of fun. Yeah. So That's going to be a
0: lot of fun in, in,
1: in the course as well. We're going to do a lot of yeah, role playing. That's right. Me and Rabbi right. will uh, will argue a little bit for everyone. So yeah, it's so everybody ends up with a different mix. Now, how do you know what mix is right for you? Sometimes the kind of personality that makes a good coworker um, is not the same. Um, Sometimes the personality that makes a good coworker for you is not the same as a good friend and and it's not the same as what will be a good spouse, right? Because um, let's say if you're very conscientious, you might need to work with someone else who is also very conscientious and you might like your friends to be conscientious but when it comes to living with a spouse, someone who's conscientious might end up being boring. It's possible. And so you might need a spouse who is not so conscientious. Now, unfortunately, the science is a little bit negative. You look at the words, you know, the person who's not so conscientious, they're, disorg- excuse me, they're disorganized and it's kind of a negative connotation. But that's not the case at all, right? Because people who are not so conscientious are free-flowing improvisational lots of fun you know i'm not conscientious i'll be honest with you that's just not my personality and uh yeah whatever it's, it's the way it is so i've had to find all the good things about it you know and my wife who's very someone just asked I, yeah. someone just asked a
0: question that i think is a great example of how it's like a a double edge. i'm not gonna say a double-edged sword but a, a double-edged element which is the question is, but wouldn't that drive you crazy later? His disorganization his disorganization makes you upset.
1: Yeah, if you're, you know, everybody's different. So for some people, it's like intolerable and it will not work. And you'll know. You spend time with that person. And if you, you know, I'll I'll talk about how you know in a minute. There's a pretty simple question to ask, right? To figure this out. It's not hard. But um, you know, sometimes. You might be a conscientious person and you just are going to find yourself being attracted and enjoying spending time with the the, the man or woman who is not conscientious. And if you, and here, so here's the thing, the most important thing, the stage one has a question that has to be answered. The question that has to be answered is, do I really enjoy spending time with this person? Because at the end of the day, what is marriage, but spending a lot of time in a room with somebody else. If you don't really enjoy being in a room with another person, forget about it. As they say in Brooklyn, don't, it doesn't even get past stage one. You don't have so, to enjoy spending time with your, with your, with your roommate or with your coworker, but you have to enjoy spending time with your spouse. So, so, so let's,
0: so to the person who is trigger happy, who, who just wants to, to, to meet the person and just go right to the chuppah to that person, we say, relax, relax. All we want to know in the first date or the first meeting is, do I want to see this person again? And to the person who's not sure what they're doing, we say the same thing. Relax. You're not worried about what's going to happen later or what's not going to happen. The question you need to ask yourself during the first date is, do I want to see this person again? That's
1: That's right. Yeah. Because that's the definition of attraction. The word attraction means, am I pulled like a magnet? Am I pulled towards that person? And also, are they pulled towards me? And that's the people we enjoy being with. If I enjoy being with that person, I want to spend more. I want to spend time with them more. And you don't at the beginning, that's the only question that needs to be answered. That question is going to be answered mostly on the basis of their personality. I want to I show you something. In the beginning of tonight's
0: talk, we asked a question. And I have a beautiful little uh, word cloud here. The question was, how do you, this is to the participants here tonight, how do you define attraction in one or two words? And look at what we
1: got. Yeah. So there are things about physical looks and, and desire, but the big one is chemistry. And what we're, this is, we're giving you guys, just like chemistry, it's not magic. You know, there are elements and there are, you know, there's a whole science behind it and you can predict what is going to react with what and what's going to be the catalyst and all that. So also here, we're kind of, what we're trying to say at the end of the day is there's a certain um, science to this, to the chemistry. And uh, that's what attraction is. And it makes you want to spend time with the person and you can track it. You can be conscious of it. And that's, you know, that's the key. You can be aware of it and it'll really help you date and it'll help you understand why you like people and why you want to spend time with them.
0: I want to focus on a few more things here in this word cloud, because I think it's fascinating. I mean, chemistry obviously is huge. It means that a lot of people said it. Um, connection, we understand. Desire. What do you think about desire? I think is desire. Is that really attraction? Desire? Is that like
1: curiosity? What is desire? Yeah, desire is complicated. Desire is like, I think, is already a stage three thing. You know, it's okay. You know, I mean, yeah, some, I mean, I, I, um, I think it's like, it's almost a difficulty if you're talking about desire based on the way somebody looks and, you know, from date one and date two, you know, it's not necessarily a bad thing. Don't that can also get in the way that can also cloud. I think that would be interesting also for us. I'm sorry that I'm interrupting you, but I think it'll
0: be interesting also for us to take a couple of these and put them in the right categories, because one of the things that is very important. And w- one of the things that we're revolutionizing in the system is that we're going to divide it into three co- categories, into three stages of dating. So that way, you know where you're holding at any given stage. So that way you can see yourself and you can see the process of how the relationship can evolve
1: yeah. properly
0: instead yeah. of just it happening. So like happy, happy is a big word. Do we put that into stage one? Is that uh, attraction?
1: Yeah. Yeah. Are you enjoying spending time with that person? Or are you happy when you're with them? I think. You know, okay. Sure.
0: true. Here's here's a rough one because this also is, is is bigger than a lot of the other ones. Looks,
1: yeah. Well, um, I think that looks like I was saying before has a lot to do with a person's personality. Has a lot to do with their looks, and um, that was my dead body analogy. Analogy: If you have a beautiful person and they're 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 not alive, but you know whatever, unfortunately, then you know it's not like it's like you know it, it's not alive. Um, it's the it's the soul that is attractive that comes through the looks of the person um that's what i think and uh, you know everybody's different so there's a lot of different things out there and uh, it's not something we can wait into right now but uh it so it, it does form part of this for sure at the beginning you know i i, I was thinking about it's looks like oh you got a, the wrong thing open you're looking what are you looking for
0: oh sorry i'm sorry i'm sorry 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 i was just emailing someone yeah. who, who, who 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 can't get on i apologize for those of you who are uh watching my email. Okay. People are, as I'm, as this is going on, people are emailing me. I can't get on. I can't get on. Okay. So, um, a couple of years ago, Mm -hmm. I set up a couple and I was very involved in the back and forth of the dating. That's what they had asked me to do. So I was very involved in the back and forth of the dating. And at the end of the day, uh, they had been dating a while. And one thing came down when it came to physical looks, he had a problem with her nose. and. It was a very complicated thing. And everything else was checking out. There was chemistry. There was connection. There was, everything was good. He just couldn't, he didn't like her nose. And he spoke to me about it. And I said to him, why don't I talk to her? Why don't I ask her? Anyway, I I spoke to her and she said, is that really? I mean, I don't like my nose either. You know what? I'll, uh, I'll take care of it. Surgery can help. I'll take care of it. If that's all, if that's the big deal, if that's what's stopping him, I'll take care of it. I don't like it either. This is about three years ago. I was talking to them about three months ago uh, about something totally different, and I asked, I asked them because I had seen that, you know, I knew that, and I I brought it up. I'm like, you know, you've been married for like two and a half years, and I see that you never did anything. And she looks at him and we are having a conversation. She looks at him. She's like, yeah, you're right. I I never got, I promised you I'd get that surgery. I never got it. He's like, no, 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 don't do that. I love your nose.
1: Nice. Anyway, should we move
0: on? No, but it was fascinating to me because I, I experienced that, that the one thing that he hated that he didn't want to marry her over became the exact thing. And he's like, I like that.
1: Yeah. Yeah. It's a big subject. It's a big subject, but I want to. So, attraction is. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Very complicated. Much more than
0: that. Yeah. It's complicated. Yeah. 100%. Yes. Something to really think about. Okay. So, so let, let's go into stage two. Stage two is where the science is not on our side. This values qualities and purpose. Let's talk about that for a minute.
1: Yeah. Yeah, there's not, yeah, not as much here. This isn't, uh, this is a lot more complicated. There's a lot more variation. You know, unfortunately, this isn't something we can break down into five, you know, easy elements that we can test for. And, you know, (laughs) this is where it's really interesting. So what I've begun to understand is that, um, right, well, let's talk about values first. Right and actually I saw that in the word cloud somebody did mention shared values right So what is a value Put it in the chat what is a value define it everybody put it in the chat throw it on there let's get some let's get some participation define what a value is what is a value Wait, wait about 20 seconds think of it type it
0: Um, I see a belief system.
1: Belief system is a big sky. I cannot make it. A belief system. Okay. Somebody just personal messaged me. A moral consciousness. A moral consciousness, okay. I see a uh,
0: uh, value, a belief that you cherish and hold dear and wouldn't give up theoretically, rules. Something learned from elders, a moral, a moral barometer, something you appreciate, a principle. What do you think of these? Yeah, they're all they're all part of it. Importance. So, importance. There you go. So, something that's important to me and to others.
1: Yeah. Define who? Define who you are. Wow. A way of behaving in the world. Very good. Define yeah. who you are. Yes. So, all right. So values, let's, let's, if we actually put all these together, right? So some, uh, Brian said something learnt, and that's an important thing. So personality, which was stage one is usually considered to be something that is just the way you are. I mean, it's something inborn and it doesn't change very easily, right? You don't expect to just change your wake up one day and change your personality. Um, But uh, as Brian said, one important idea of values is that they're learned. Okay, so this is an intellectual thing. There's something that are based on the way your, somebody else said, your belief system, your morals, right? They have to, uh, as to do with your, the things that you've learned, the things that you've been taught, right? Are the things that create your value system. And a value system is mm-hmm. what do you put essential value into what are the things that you consider to be valuable in and of themselves right so if you grew up in a very religious home you've been taught in a jewish home let's say you know the way let's say how i teach my kids that a mitzvah is something that has essential value it's an end in and of itself right so that's something that i teach my kids Uh, but in every home it's different right and we're all taught different things that have essential value right um, and, uh, they're all abstract concepts. Um, they start off as abstract concepts and, uh, we're taught them through the concrete experiences that we have. Right. So that's what uh, value is just anything that you put, that you put value into because of what you believe and they And that can actually change quite quickly. And so, uh,
0: so if, if it's a, if it's a negotiable or let's say if it's a non-negotiable, you you put value in it. Doesn't that mean that a lot of things
1: have to be negotiated as well in order for you to have that value? Yeah. Well, we're constantly negotiating our values, most of them anyway, right? Every, especially, you know, uh, a lot of people, you know, good examples with like COVID, right? Everyone has different things that they value. How far do you value safety versus adventure, right? Which might be based on your personality partially, but it's also based on your belief system. Um right. And so, you know, and when, if you're, when you're someone who's a little bit values the safety aspect, the less comes in for a hug, right? That's a good example. Well, how do you negotiate this value with that person? Right. right. If you have family members so who's comfortable doing this and who's comfortable at your con it's just a kind of a, a thing that came up that everyone I think has experienced a lot recently where you're negotiating constantly a value. Right. So, um, you have most values are, are being negotiated constantly. And especially when you marry somebody, you're going to be negotiating those values constantly. Um, but we'll get into that a little later. Uh, and then there are some values that are non-negotiable and um, not all of them are relevant to the marriage, honestly. Right. If, if a person comes to me with a list of 10 non-negotiable values and they say, I need my spouse to agree with me about all of these, I'm going to tell that person there's no such person in the world. Well, maybe and if there is such a person in the world, yeah. you're not going to be attracted to them. So it's just I think
0: that I think that what ends up happening, especially as we get older and as we are in the dating process longer, is we have more non-negotiable values and as a result, that's why it's so much more complicated for us to find someone because we do have more non-negotiables. I mean, the younger we are, I'm not old enough the to younger say we are the less what
1: I'm not old enough to say. We can, I mean, right. here, I think maybe people sometimes people become more negotiable because they start to understand what really matters.
0: You would hope that. But, you know, if you if you're if you're alone for a long time, there's certain things that you're used to. You have a certain quality of life that you're used to. And as a result, that factors into your non-negotiables.
1: Yeah, yeah. So every everybody has different things that they consider to be innately valuable. Some of which are quite devotional, and some of which are not. And then um, I've developed a little this math equation, which is that personality, that like we talked about before, times times values equals qualities, and that's where you start to really understand the person. So I'll use myself as an example here, right? So like I told you guys before, um, I'm not terribly conscientious. Which means that my, which means that my, uh, which means that my personality pattern is that I tend to, I tend towards improvisation. I tend toward, you know, I tend towards uh, less order. I tend towards, you know, taking things easy sometimes. Right? I can, you know, people will sometimes be surprised. Like, okay, I had I had a graduation from a cohort this morning, and I had a speech to write. I wrote it as, as it was starting. Right. And I'm very clear about that. Like that's just how I, that's how I roll. And I think it was great. I think it turned out great, but it was kind of, you know, improvised and done there. So that's me. Now, does that mean that I'm really irresponsible? Does that mean that I'm not a good person to be around? Does that mean that, you know, does that mean, what does it mean? Well, it's mediated. My personality is going to be mediated by the way I was taught to value things so my mother recognized that I had that personality trait as a young kid. And she inst- made sure to instill in me certain values, the value of other people's time. She instilled in me how a big of a deal it is that you have to value other people's time too and you have to respect them. And so I became a person who is not very conscientious, but who tries really hard when someone else is waiting for me, when it really matters. Um, uh, I'm, a, I'm a person who tries really hard to get there, even though it's not natural. And when you take those two things together, I'm a person who's naturally free-flowing and improvisational, and not like precise. And oh, it's at eight forty, or there at eight thirty-nine. Not that kind of person. And then I was taught to value other people's time, and I really strive for that. So I it, it, that creates a fuller picture. That's what I call value times personality put those two together and now you can describe my quality it's a really detailed thing somebody who's free flowing and easygoing but also really values other people's time and strives to respect it despite my easygoing self right and that's a re- that's what i call a quality um, that's a really thorough really deep uh, understanding of another person right and that's stage two stage 2 is you take the person's personality you multiply it by their values and you see well just cuz this guy you know is really you know not conscientious does that mean he gets parking tickets and you know accumulates thousands of dollars of debt <laughs> you know and is and is totally irresponsible that's a values question even if you have that personality your values are going to define whether that's how you express it or were you taught to value money and not get thousands of dollars into debt and get parking tickets because you're not paying attention, right? If you value money, you're going to make sure, even if you're not conscientious, you're going to make sure to take care of that and not and not have those issues. And so, that's what a, that's that's how you figure out the qualities. And when you're looking at another person's qualities, the the just like stage one had a major question that had to be answered. So stage one, the question was. Am I attracted to this person? Meaning, do I enjoy spending time with them? Do I want to spend more time with them? The question of stage two, the essential question that has to be answered is, do I respect that person? I think that's the key question. Do, do I respect
0: qual- that person?
1: Do they have qualities? Do their qualities combine that I respect them? That's the that's the key question. Even They're- for a woman? And, I,
0: and again, I, i'm 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 just generalizing here. but often, um, often, depending on the role with the that the, the different people are going to take different roles in the relationship. The person who's going to take the dominant role, do
1: they need to respect the person who's taking the non-dominant role in the relationship? even more? Let's they more. need to respect them even more, Of course, otherwise, you run into issues, run into major issues of control and, and full domination. One yeah. percent,
0: and, and the other way around?
1: Yeah, 100%. I mean, it'll be a little easier, but uh, yeah, the, it's, I mean, I think everybody here knows this, right? Especially people who've been around the block and, you know, been in and out of relationships and, you know, respect. Everyone says this, and respect is a fundamental quality of any high quality relationship. And the only, but how, well, how do you define it? Who do you you respect? You respect people whose qualities are, you know, are, uh, you respect people whose qualities demand respect of you. And Their qualities are a product of their personality and their values. When you put those together, you get quality. They say, that's a person who I respect. And that's a person who you can pass stage two with and, and move on to stage three. You have to be attracted, which is the love, you know, let's call it, you know, it's not really love in the, in the, in the deep sense of the word. It's, Superficial love, the you know, love in the in the Kabbalistic sense, which we understand to be attraction, and then you have to analyze and then you have to look at uh, do I respect them? Do I respect their qualities? And I want to, we're,
0: we're, we're running short on this part of our program, so I want to just kind of get into the third part because I think it's a fascinating part. So we have the attraction, we have the values and qualities. What is the stage three,
1: right? So Stage three, um, we, you know, we talked about it before as being this idea of, am I, am I ready to allow myself to be hurt by this person with this person? Are we ready to hurt each other? And it's a really kind of crazy way of putting it, but it's, it's, well, what, <laughs> what, what am I talking about? You know, let's, let's take a step back here. What, what What's going on here? So the goal of stage three is, am I, am, I, am I okay? Am I ready to be hurt by this person? Do I accept the fact to be vulnerable, to allow myself to be hurt by this person? That's the question that has to be answered in stage three. How do you answer that question? That is the question. Because that's the definition of commitment. Why, why are people scared of commitment? right? And stage three is when you're getting ready to commit. You're making the decision, am I going to commit to this? Why are people scared of commitments? If people who are afraid of commitment, why are they afraid? I think they're afraid of commitments because you can get hurt. When you commit to somebody, you're opening yourself up to be hurt by that person. You're making yourself vulnerable to them, and you're giving them you're giving them the keys to the to the inner sanctum they, where they could theoretically do a lot of damage, and honestly, they probably will to some extent. And that's, that's how relationships go. It, you know, we uh, find me a married couple who says, Oh well, yeah, we've never heard each other by accident or on purpose. You know, what uh, Dr. Romanelli calls normal marital sadism. <laughs> it's normal, normal marital sadism, right? One of my favorite concepts. So I'm giving this person the keys and giving them access and, um, and it's, it's it, So yeah, trust is a big thing that comes in here. So how that's you. And how do you know, how do you know that you're ready for stage three? What's the question that you ask? Well, again, the question was, am I okay? You know, am I ready to accept that I could be hurt by this person? So the way that you, uh, you know, uh, do I trust them with that? With that, do I trust them handing them the keys to be able to hurt me? The way you answer that question Is by starting to show them your true self, your inner core self, beyond those two layers, beyond your personality, beyond your values, showing them your true inner emotional state, your core of a person, and what that is. Okay. So Jung called it the shadow. Right. This is your Jungian shadow. Um, uh, Or if you don't, if you've read about that, if you know about that good, if you need a more practical definition, So I'll tell you, it's the thoughts that go through your head that you're afraid to share with other people. Those inner thoughts that run through your mind, like, oh my God, I can't tell, I can't even, I can barely believe that I think that, that I thought that, and I'll I'll never tell anybody that thought, right? Like, (laughs) unless you're one of those people who's really out, just like shares everything, you know, (laughs) if you're, if you've reached that level where you're. But that's, that's, that's what it is, right? So your brain has these thoughts that you don't share with other people. You have these feelings, these inner emotions that you don't share with other people. And when you meet the right person, the part, person who's past stage one and stage two, stage three is when I start revealing, I take down those walls and I start taking down those filters and I start like, you know, saying the things that I never say. That were the thoughts that run through my head, my shadow, and, and that I, will, I, I would never, you know, normally share with anybody else. I start to share those things. Well, how does the other person react? Right? Do they hurt me with it constantly? Right? Do they bash it? Do they judge it? Or do they accept it? Do they hear me? You know, do they appreciate that? Does it make our relationship worse or does it make a relationship better? And people are afraid to share it. Oh, what if he doesn't like me? or if she doesn't like me? Well, listen, you don't want to walk on eggshells for your entire life, do you? You're going to be spending a lot of time with this person. You don't want to have to filter yourself all the time, right? You want to just be able to be yourself. You don't want to have those filters. It takes time in a marriage, but you want to be able to just say what's on your mind. You want to be able to share your inner self, okay, and not be judged for it. And so if you're, you know, if the other person doesn't accept that part of you, then it's probably not the right match. You're not state, you haven't passed stage three and don't, so don't be afraid to share it because if they don't like you, that part of you, if it doesn't work, then you don't want to you know, hide that and get married and then find that you don't really have the ability to get intimate with that person that you can't really be vulnerable with them because like it's no good it's that's the that's how you develop emotional intimacy so once you've passed stage one and two you can't be scared of that anymore and you know ideally if you've done stage one and two properly you know stage three should work just fine it really should it's supposed to work you know i
0: can't promise. so as we close this part of our session let's just summarize stage one stage two stage three what are the questions you ask what are they and um
1: just a quick, just a quick summary for us. So stage 1 again is the question of attraction and the question is do I enjoy just spending time with this person? So not because we, you know, did something fun, just could we just sit in a room with nothing to do and just have a good time. That's that's the question of one. Do we enjoy each other's company, right? And if you enjoy that, you will start to feel the pull towards that person. You'll want to spend more time with them, right? That's the definition of simple definition of attraction. And that's based on usually your, your personality factors. Stage two, the question to answer is, do I respect this person? Um, Are they good for me? Are they, is this healthy, right? They have good. Do we share some values, right? That we didn't get into detail. There are some values that need to be shared, some of well, that don't, um, even if they're not shared, are they close enough to be compatible? Can we negotiate our values? Well, right. Those are all the details and all of that comes together to be, do I respect this person's qualities? Um, we didn't even get into purpose, which is like a whole other subject. I'm not going to go there now. It's a big one, but, um, you know, and so that's the question of stage two and stage three is the question of, am I, ready to to give this person the ability to hurt me? Do I trust them? That can I commit to them? And the way you know that is by revealing your shadow, um, showing them your dark side, showing them the stuff you don't share with other people, playing with them, play is a big element of it, right? Um, Your your shadow is actually very playful. (laughs) And um, seeing if you can play, that's a big one. And how do they react? And are they okay with it? And does it work? Um, and if it works and if you can, you hand them the keys, you reveal them the, tr- you know, the truth about what's in there and, uh, and it works out okay. And they don't uh, beat you up for it. So that shows trust. So amazing.
0: Thank you, Rabbi Yosh, Rabbi Berkowitz, for being here with us tonight and for, for sharing this. And for those of you who didn't hear this in the beginning, I'll say it again, that Rabbi Berkowitz and I are going to be presenting this in great detail what you heard tonight was one hour this is going to be uh 6 uh 90 to 120 minute sessions it's going to uh, we're going to have two groups one for men one for women and it's going to be specifically geared to people who are dating in the what we call the shidduch or the matchmaking uh, uh system uh and it's going to be really going through we're going to do it as a cohort as an experiential experience uh we have six spots left for the women and we have uh 18 spots because we just launched it tonight for the men so we have 18 spots left for the men and uh uh the only reason why why we have more spots for the men is because we launched it tonight and the one for the women we launched two weeks ago the one for the women is going to be starting on june 16th and the one for the men on july 15th so um it's a great opportunity we're only doing 20 people in each session once it's full it's full uh, I just put the link in the chat if you want to join us. And now we are going to move over to our Q&A. I know that there's a lot of questions coming in privately. I'm sure you have some as well. So we're going to go through questions that came in already. And you're welcome to put questions in the chat. And once we're done um, answering the questions from the chat, we'll allow some people to unmute themselves and ask as well. Um, OK, firstly, uh, is admire the same thing as
1: respect? Is admiration the same thing as respect? Um, I think it goes hand in hand. You know, there it's meaning, you know, whenever you talk about two words, words, that's like a Venn diagram, right? They have a circle, right? So the admiration circle and the respect circle are two different circles. They have a lot of overlap. So people who you respect very often you will admire, and vice versa. Um there theoretically, there could be someone who you admire who you don't respect. So it could be someone who you respect who you don't really admire. Um, it's not always overlapped, but there's a, there is a considerable overlap between those, two, those two concepts. And so very often the person who you respect, whose qualities you respect, there will be some things that you admire about them, but, uh, it's not exactly the same thing. Um, you know, it's not, it's not I, I,
0: I, I would agree with that. Um, so, so you're dating a guy here. There's a question from a woman coming in, you're dating a guy and things are going well and he's not sharing his inner thoughts and
1: feelings and you want him to. Yeah, so what do you do? That's the question. What do you do? Yeah. So there's something called a beautiful concept from our friend Dr. Romanelli um called self-validated intimacy um where you, you share yourself, right? You do that process, you start to share your inner self um regardless of what the other person is doing. It doesn't mm-hmm. matter what they're doing. You just you do it itself validated, not other validated. So, so you're modeling the
0: behavior that you want to see in the other.
1: Yeah. And then you can encourage them to, you know, you can So, you know?
0: so often we're looking for other validation. I, I definitely can, can, can uh, relate to that. We're looking for other validation. Like, you know, what did you think about it? How did I do? I was, uh, I'm reading this amazing book and the author was was saying this author was a very famous person and she's interviewed the most famous people from presidents to It's Oprah, and she's interviewed everybody. And she said, no matter who the person is, she writes in the book, no matter who the person is, as great as they are, the first question they ask after the interview is, how did I do? Yeah, that's how powerful Barack Obama, she said, right after his interview with her said, how did I do?
1: Yeah, there you go,
0: there you go. So that other validation is so strong. So if you want, if you have a problem and you don't like that in the other person. So you have the self validation, you just do it. And either they're going to be in a relationship with you, and they're going to respond, or we're not
1: in a relationship, and we're not going to resp- respond.
0: And that's the end of it, right?
1: Yeah, well, no, I, like I said, there's, there's you doing it. And then you can also talk to the other person, right? You can talk about, you know, not in a negative way, not in a, you know, not demanding, but like, I feel like there's more of you. I want to know, you know, more of, of what's really going on in there. I feel like, you know, there's part of you that that you're hesitant to share and I want to know mm-hmm. that part of you. Right. And you can encourage it in a really positive way. And sometimes that, that that's what people need. They are, they need a little other validated, you know, so hopefully, you know, if you can start being the self-validated one, maybe the other person needs a little encouragement. There are some men, unfortunately, you know, as people in general, but it is a little bit more common now, I think with, uh, with men now sometimes have this issue of people People are scared to share this part of themselves, so to share their their inner emotional self, um, their true self. Um, they're scared to, you know, in this world. It's a scary thing to do. And they might need a little encouragement. But uh, if they can't do it, you know, and it goes on and like they, they can't like it's a problem, you know, they might need to go to therapy. They might need some help. So uh, it's a really important thing to do especially if someone's
0: been hurt they're going to have that it's be that much harder for them to share yeah yeah and that's because, okay yeah. that's okay i mean it's okay you just have uh, to validate that
1: it's very often yeah it's very true and we go we'll go into that in the full course uh you know what 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 goes wrong one of the things that goes wrong is trauma trauma is a major factor um in people not wanting to let another person in yeah absolutely <sighs> Um, you know, the three stages are great. Someone says,
0: is there a timeline that you would recommend for these stages?
1: Yeah, well, it depends on your dating style. So it depends who I'm talking to. Like, so for instance, in Lubavitch dating, you know what I did, <laughs> <what> I've <did. laughs> you know, it happens pretty quickly, you know, so it could have, you know, it's like two or three dates per stage. So between six and 10 dates for the whole thing, it's a very condensed right. timeline. You know, but again, so, so in that in that very
0: religious dating system, what would you say uh, after you should be into stage two by the third date, third, fourth, fifth, max,
1: like, you know, and then how, stage how long three
0: and stage three doesn't need to be very
1: long, right? especially to no, know that no, you're listen, ready to get married. No, no, one or two dates, you know, in that system. Yeah. If, you're, if you're more Western what If you're dating, more secular, yeah, exactly. I don't, yeah, secular. I like to call it Western dating. I don't think it's secular because it's not really about I like to call it Western style dating. In Western style dating, it might take, you know, uh, translate dates to just change the word dates to months. You know, mm. so the whole thing could take from six to 10 months, you know, maybe a month or two to kind of work through each one. Yeah, that's great. I like that. I don't, it doesn't need longer than that. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Okay. Um, so if if anybody wants to ask a question, you're welcome to come up on the stage, just raise your hand and we'll bring you up on stage here. Um, if you don't want us to um, record while you're on stage, that's fine as well. Uh, out of privacy, uh, we, we care about that as well. Um, I have another, we have more questions coming in, so while you're waiting to raise your hands and come up on stage, I'll ask some of the other questions coming in. When when I ask him a question, this person says, and he then asks me first, what do you think? What I would like to hear is what he has to say, but he deflects. I'm questioning my respect of him, your thoughts. Can you say so part again? So so basically, to, to summarize her question, she's saying when he says, what do you think, as a response, she thinks it's a deflection. And she's questioning her respect for him because of that.
1: Okay. So, you know, a, a specific, I'm not going to, we're not going to dispense relationship advice to a specific <laughs> situation without really getting into the details. So if somebody wants to come on and we have to have a back and forth and Really dig into a relationship. You can turn off the recording if it's private. Unfortunately, she says, I love to, but my mic is not working. Okay, there you go. There you go. So um, because <laughs> it's very dangerous if we're gonna start, you know, telling you this or that without asking, because because values and qualities are so complicated, right? If it was a personality thing, I could it's cut and dry. I could, you know, figure it could be figured out pretty easily. But when it comes to values, like they're really subtle, really complex. And you have to like really understand the situation. It's not something I'd want to, you know, but at the end of the day, you know, I, you know, if you want to give it a general rule, if you're, if if there's something that you're feeling you don't respect there, if you're something about, right, then, you, you know, you need to talk to somebody. And that's an important, you know, fundamental philosophy to get into having, you know, a friend to talk to and a mentor to talk to. And that's it. And not asking the whole world you know, about it. Something that I'm, something I'm very passionate
0: about. And I, and I, I can't stress this enough that, you know, when you're dating, there needs to be, you know, two or maybe three people that are, or, that are giving you advice that know about the dating. Um the, the, the first person, if you're dating with a matchmaker, which I highly recommend matchmakers, because a lot of the issues that happen in the dating process can be eliminated by having a proper matchmaker, not someone. So, you know, there's two different types of matchmakers. There's the matchmaker who makes the introduction and there's the matchmaker who follows the process with you in the dating process. So I'm saying a matchmaker who follows the process. And that matchmaker's job is to believe that this match is going to work. That it's the greatest thing that has ever happened since sliced challah. That the greatest thing that's ever happened to the world is this match. Someone's got to believe that. Someone's got to believe that. So that's the matchmaker's job. The matchmaker's job is to nudge you and push you along and say, why haven't you proposed idiot? That's the matchmaker's job. And then there's two people on each side. Each person has two people. The matchmaker's on both sides because the matchmaker is dealing with, with both people. The, the two people are a friend and a mentor. The mentor's job is top down which means you ask the mentor for advice and you listen to the mentor. You can't just take it as a survey. It's not a good idea. Your mentor is someone who you ask and you listen to, even if you don't like what they say, because God will give them the ability to say the right thing. Your friend is the person who is on your equal, who's your who's on your same level, who you can talk it out, who you can battle it out with, who who gives you that perspective. And that's it. Because so often when we're dating, My gosh, I hear people getting advice from a random person they met on a bus. Why are you telling some story to some random person because you have no one to talk to that you met on a bus or that you met in a random place and that person gave you advice? It's not a survey. And and again, these are such important elements when it comes to the dating process. Um, And I I really can't stress that enough. Uh, More questions coming in. Uh, so the three stages apply to friendships and colleagues um so that they can turn into romantic relationships can you use them to turn i don't know if this
1: is a good question okay it's called I, it's still, I call <laughs> conscious dating because they're not a weapon to be used they're are things these are these are the things that happen naturally to be aware of and yes in the you know in the you know while we're talking about shidduchim and being matched up Sometimes it happens by accidents, but when it happens by accidents, you still, you know, you ha- that's the thing, you know, you still want to be uh careful and be aware and be conscious of it, you know, cause it's lovely. Yeah. You can meet somebody somewhere and it's like, the first yeah. thing that's going to happen is the interaction of the personalities. It's a coworker or somebody and, you know, can it develop? And so you want to follow that, right? It's the same process, but yeah. Okay. Ooh, we have, the kind of personalities that has chemistry that I like this. I want to spend more time with them. They want to spend more time with me. The the fear of that is when it happens, when you don't
0: expect it is you may end up with stage three before stage one. Yeah. And you have to be, you have to be careful. So it may explode because of that stage three shouldn't be before stage one, but often what ends up happening is you didn't expect it. So your guard is down. So you became vulnerable right away. And then you have to almost like backtrack, to a certain extent. Yeah. By
1: the way, Rabbi Bernath, do you have the yeah. ability to take a poll um, on on your? Uh, yes,
0: I do have the ability to take a poll.
1: Yeah. Okay. Just at the end, I'm gonna. I have a question I want to ask everybody, but I just wanted to make sure so we don't have to find something set up now, so we can do it on. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: I have, a, I have,
1: a, I definitely have the ability. Okay. There's more questions coming in, so we will
0: um, go to some more questions here. Um, uh, who would be a mentor? Uh, somebody who you whose opinion, whose advice—opinion is a bad word—advice you respect to the point. where well, even if you don't like
1: that advice, you'll listen to it. I think there's two things that are important for a mentor, right? And and you know, and because there's you can have mentors for different things. So there's I think there's two things. A mentor, um, when it comes to this or whatever it is that you're talking about, like let's say you're in business and you have a business mentor, right? So there's two things that you're going to look for in a business mentor. One, that they themselves have successfully done the thing that you're trying to do. That's the first thing. And the second thing is that they have enough experience having spoken to and spent time with different kinds of people who, who, uh, who also, you know, because not everyone does it the same way. The goal of a business mentor is, right, uh, you're trying to open have a business that makes money but there's more than one way of doing that. So if somebody only knows their experience and they only know their way of doing it, that doesn't work either. So the first thing is they need to know what success looks like. They have to have done it themselves. And they also have to have enough experience, enough breadth to understand you know, the different ways of getting there and what the different ways of getting there are going to have in common. They need to have a wide and a deep understanding of it too. So that's true for mentor. So a mentor for business is that. It's the same thing for a relationship. Um, a, a relationship mentor is somebody who, A, they themselves are, have a good relationship, which is uh, the issue that Rabbi Bernath and I, a famous book out there now called First Kill All the Marriage Therapists, right? So, to, you know, marriage therapists who've been divorced three times and are advising <laughs> you in your know, relationship and they have no idea, right? That's no good. Well, they can advise you how to be divorced three times. Yeah, if you want to do that. <laughs> so it's important, you know, the person themselves can, you know, has is successful um, and have they spent enough time having the you know the the kind of academic or objective or third party information to understand, you know the bigger picture, not just the way I did it, but the way it you know, if I understand it well enough to understand there's other ways of coming to that same conclusion. and you know, would be was, they have enough of that kind of uh, objective information, not just their experience. So it's a mix of subjective and objective experience and information that the person has both those things. And they understand you. That's the third element. And they kind of they understand who you are. That's a good mentor. Yeah,
0: yeah. And the ability to listen, right?
1: Well, if they understand you, that means they can. They're listening. That's what it is. Yeah.
0: Here's another question that came in. I have a good sense of humor. I have challenges finding someone that makes me laugh. Should I stop looking for that quality and just make myself laugh? Wow. (laughs) <laughs> it's not a quality. I, that's I, not exactly, exactly. Not a quality, no. and there are some there are some qualities, quote unquote, that
1: you don't need in in a relationship.
0: Is this one of them?
1: Yeah. Well, it's it's not a quality. It's a, that's the the question of humor is really part of stage one. You know, the way you know a stage one date is going well was when there's some laughing happening. You know, if you overhear the, there's some laughing happening, you know. I wouldn't survive without humor With between me and my spouse. I would not survive without the humor. So, But what if your bar is so high, I guess this, that's what this person is saying,
0: that no one that you're just like not laughing. Like I always say, like, you know, you know, the wife of the comedian, the
1: one rolling her eyes. Yeah, but she loves to roll her eyes. Right. Okay. Sure. And I think that's actually your answer. You know, it's not just about, you know, it, it, it comes back to the question. Do you want to see them or not? Do you, are you like, do you, are you pulled to see them or not? If, if, if you are, whatever it is, I don't know what it is. Every, you know, there's some, there's people who, you know, I have a relative, the, you know, I have a relative, uh, you know, it's a husband and wife and like, she loves to hate him. She just loves to hate him. Right. You know, Rabbi, I remember you were counseling a couple like that, right. That's an horrible story, but it's the nature of their relationship. Yeah, she loves to complain and he gives her plenty to complain about and, and they love it. It works. She loves to complain. He gives her to, So every, like, you never know what that is. People are weird. All right. People are, right. you don't know what it's going to be. So, you know, whatever it is that you enjoy, if you enjoy it, you enjoy it. End of story. It doesn't, it doesn't have to be what everyone else enjoys. I think for many people, the humor is a big part of it. And that's if you, you know, it, should, it comes back to the question, you enjoy it or not? You want to see them or not? and uh, you may be surprised by what you enjoy you might enjoy something that you never imagined that you would enjoy and you might be looking for completely the wrong thing you know if you're this big comedian for all we know you might enjoy just the person who's going to sit there and listen to your jokes i don't know maybe they don't need to make you laugh maybe you just enjoy that person who knows maybe you're the one who's going to make them laugh that's no that's what the question was but yeah maybe you enjoy that if you enjoy that it's okay As long as you don't come back at the end of the date and saying, I don't really enjoy that. I don't want to see that person. I don't really, I'm not pulled to see this again. If you're pulled, if you're feeling the pull, you know, I'm not going to tell you, I'm not going to define for you what pulls you. So I I, I will say though, one
0: thing, and I don't know if this was the question, but I I have seen this quite a bit. So I want to mention it. And that is that there's often, I would say somebody who has a really good sense of humor, which means they like really, they're into comedy and they like, they have a good sense of humor but they themselves can't deliver that element of humor is the same as someone who's looking for someone who looks like TV. It's the, same, it's, it's the, it's the emotional um, um, issue compared to the physical issue. If you're looking for the person to have the same sense of humor as the comedian that you watched on TV, it's the same as looking for the person who has the same looks as the person that you saw on TV
1: right which is basically you're looking for an objective societal third party standard instead of just accepting what it is that you like you're accepting what it is that everybody tells you to like exactly so
0: I, I don't know if this is your situation the person who asked the question but i think it's important to to make that differentiation which means if you're the person who has a good sense of humor and you are very funny well then just find someone who likes to laugh at your jokes or likes to roll their someone eyes. or or likes to roll their eyes exactly but if you're someone who um, has a certain standard, then you're looking for that other validation or the third party validation, yeah. Uh, here's another question that's came in. Um, by the way, there was a comment somebody made and I, like, I love this comment. Random person might be better than 10 friends. I agree, if it's a difference between 10 friends and one random person, go for the random person. But I, ideally, again, go for the mentor and the friend, ideally, but I agree, if you have to, if it's one versus survey, the one is always better. Um, here's, a, here's a nice long question someone just asked. I think there's a big difference between religious dating when you go on one or three dates, and in those three dates, you know so much after the third date, and it's either and we get married, or moving along. But with more traditional dating, which is not the wrong way, it's fine, it's, everyone's entitled to their, to their way, we take time to get to know the person slowly. So my question is, better is, is it better or is there no right or wrong way? I think too many people are too into the rules of dating and just need to be and let go. What do you say to that?
1: Yeah, well, that's like uh, you know, we addressed it before, um, that uh, it's the same process that happens and it's a natural process. I'm not saying that you need to force this process. I'm saying that this is kind of what happens and you can be conscious of it. This is what we see is the natural process. And if you're in the, you know, in the, in, like we said, the shit dating context, it's going to happen faster. And if you're in the more Western dating context, it's going to happen slower and that's yeah. okay. Yeah. You know, instead of two dates, it'll be two months and, and that's fine. Uh, like we said, you know, it's however you do it, you do it. But the idea is however sl- slow or fast it is, it's going to follow this trajectory. Um, it's a pattern that we see. There
0: is something that I call dating to death. And a lot of people who date in the what you call Western dating, they date to death, where they don't allow the stages to happen. They're just right. they're no staying, staying in stage one for two years, thinking that they're in a relationship, but they're yeah. not really in a relationship. They just don't want to end a good thing. Like, yeah. Oh no, I I can't move along. We can't be vulnerable. Oh, we can't talk about values. Oh no, no, no. This is you know. Let's just have a fun time. Well, at some point, that's going to get stale, and then you're going to date to death. Where at that point, you're not going to have the option. So often, you know, somebody will come to me. Okay, how do I revive this? Uh. Uh-uh. Uh. You can't just date somebody in stage one for two years and expect
1: that when it gets stale, that you're going to be able to revive it. That's or, not how it works. Or, or even worse, it becomes such a habit you can't get rid of it. You just get married by default, and that's right. Yeah.
0: Or or you or you keep on <laughs> doing it over again, where it's the same person, different face. Yeah, <laughs> and that's also a problem. Uh, okay, another question. Um, when people say they just know this person works for them because they completed these stages, or they were not aware of the stages. Yeah. First of all. They're all yeah. saying that in hindsight right they're all saying oh I just knew really if you just knew why did you get married after the first time you looked at them so hindsight is always 2020
1: yeah well I'll be honest um, I told the matchmaker after the second time I met uh, my wife when we were dating after the second date I told the matchmaker yeah this is this is we're going to get married <laughs> two dates <But laughs> it's that she tell me that. of course you didn't tell my wife. <laughs> Well, has, the matchmaker
0: has to know what they're doing. That chick has you know, know what they're doing. The I'm
1: just between me and her. I'm just like
0: between me and you, like I'm expecting yeah. this. To work well, that's that's a good thing. If you have a good matchmaker, you can say yeah. those kind of things. And the matchmaker yeah. knows when, to, when yeah. to spill the beans and yeah. when not to spill the
1: beans. So the reason yes. I was able to do that was because I had dated many, many, many times. And some people, and this is very important because there's a, something called conscious dating and then there's intuitive dating. Okay. So there are many people who don't need this because they're intuitive and they just do this without having to think about it. Okay. Mm-hmm. And if you look at, if anybody clicks the link and they look at the description I wrote up for who should take this course, right? It starts off. We all know that person who just fell into a relationship and didn't have to think about it too much. And that is the people who have it intuitively. Right. And that's cool. And this is not for them. They don't need this. They're, right. I dated for two years, 15, 16 different people. My wife, you know, uh, can I share this, honey? Yeah. Uh, My wife was like basically the first serious guy that she dated. And she didn't have to go. I I spent, you know, the reason I I, I was able to develop the system was because I developed it for me. Because I was having such a hard time dating. I was all over the place. I have so many insane stories. Um, I needed to develop a system. And, uh, I kind of did. And then I refined it by talking to more people and seeing the common, the things that were in common and the things that were just me and, you know, seeing what, well, uh, trying to come up with an equation or something to, to, to you know, to help this make sense. But for some people, it doesn't need to make sense. They're intuitive. And for me, you know, the reason I, I knew after the second date, I just knew was because I had done it so many times and I had developed my thinking. I spent hours and hours and hours thinking and analyzing so many dates that I, it became to the point where, for me, it was intuitive. Uh, but I, it took me, uh, you know, a year and a half to get there of completely focusing on this to the exclusion of almost everything else. Um, you know, it became... I,
0: I like that differentiation between conscious dating and intuitive dating. Yeah. I like that. Yeah. yeah. So- I definitely can relate to that intuitive dating myself, but I've definitely been able to see in the relationships that I've lived vicarious through with other people, people that I've coached, and mentored and 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 counseled that um, conscious dating is more common and more needed. Yeah. Uh, here's another one. How do you let them know that you're not interested in when they still want to date you?
1: Um, if the, it's the beauty of having a matchmaker. Yeah. You have a matchmaker and you don't have to deal with it. If you don't have a matchmaker, uh, like just say the thing. Like be really clear. And be honest and be nice. Okay. It's like, just People like. People want
0: to know the truth. Come on. Don't. Yeah, uh, please don't dangle. Please, like, someone just
1: wrote. Just the, be honest. Just be honest. Really? Yeah. Be nice about it.
0: Absolutely. Next question. Does having a dating relationship fall apart where things were basically good ever come to the level of trauma?
1: Anything can be trauma. Explain that. Any what any what's trauma for one person is not for another. and so if the question is, can that be trauma? Yeah, I mean, there's things a lot less than that that can be traumatic. There's many many trauma can can broken can, can broken friendship uh, I mean you're you know uh, John Wick's dog died. Here, I, I let my movie knowledge out of the bag <laughs> Anybody who got that one? Uh, okay, so trauma comes in many forms. And, um, anything can be trauma, especially this, you're talking about dating relationship and it falls apart. Yeah. You can have, maybe it's a smaller trauma. Maybe it's a big one. I don't know. Trauma needs to be dealt with. It can't be ignored. It can't be shoved under the rug. And I just want to say something about trauma. You know, one of the beautiful insights I got from a book I recently read, and I've been, was just talking to somebody about it tonight. And the relationships that hurt the little traumas that happen are the things that allow you, you know you talk about stage three, the way that you know every every stage, actually, if somebody has a challenge with dealing with a specific stage, believe it or not, this is gonna sound crazy to you guys. My most difficult stage was stage one. That's where I screwed up the most, okay? Because of the very bizarre and weird and strange person that I am, that well, the thing that for ninety nine percent of people, that's so easy, I'm a very strange person and I just totally messed up stage one. I'd be like, not really liking that person, but I'd see they have such amazing values. And that's because I'm just, you know, I live in my mind, or at least I used to a lot more than I do now. I used to live entirely in my mind. And so if a person had great values and great qualities, I would just like fall head over heels and respect with them. <laughs> I would fall, I'm going to say that again. I would fall head over heels in respect with them, a little wordplay. And um, that that would be it. I would be like taken and like, wait a second. I don't like them, but but like, I wouldn't realize it. I just didn't register because I lived so much in my mind. Like, oh, I don't like them. Like, but who cares? I don't care if I like them. It doesn't, it didn't matter to me. I didn't get it. It took me a long time to accept. Okay. I need to like them. (laughs) I didn't get that at first, right? I had to learn that. So there are ways of developing each of the three stages. If you have trouble with a specific stage, there's ways of developing it. So that I had to learn to accept that part of myself, the part of myself that's involved in that kind of attraction. Um, I needed to learn to accept that and to live in my body and not live in my brain. Okay. And that took a certain amount of training. That's how you train stage one. There's some other ways that can, there's some other problems that can happen. Infatuation when there's too much stage one is called infatuation. There's ways of dealing with that stage two issues, you know, learning how to understand and analyze values and qualities and learning how to demand respect for yourself and that you have to respect the other person. That's another kind of training. It's another thing that people have trouble with. They can improve on. And there's ways of dealing with that stage three. How do you become better at stage three? is by having relationship trauma and dealing with it. Every time you have a relationship trauma and you deal with it, you become more able to be sharing yourself with somebody else. You get stronger, you get better. um, You become able to connect with other people. The more relationship trauma you have, it's a preparation. uh, when When you deal with it properly, it's a preparation for you to be able to really share yourself with somebody else amazing. It's amazing. Yeah. So it, it's terrible when it happens. It's like, you know, you have that relationship and it doesn't work out and it totally destroys you. Happened to me plenty of times. Okay. But that's how you get better at it. That's how you get better at stage three. It's, it's, unfortunately, it's pretty much the only way. If you're not good at stage three, you will get better at it by letting yourself get hurt, dealing with it, letting yourself get hurt, deal with it. And eventually you'll be able to connect. It'll work. Yeah.
0: yeah. Here's another question that just came in. Uh, how do you explain just not feeling comfortable with a person, even if they check off a lot of the boxes? Is it me? Is it intuition telling me something? What do I trust? What don't I trust?
1: um yeah i would that's a that's a real if you want to come on and like dig into it that's like that's a mentor yeah you need to ask questions about that what you mean that, that would take time to unpack i agree you have to unpack that your gut is an important tool by the way like you have you have to you have to uh trust your gut you have to trust your gut that your gut is trying to tell you something um and you need to figure out what that is when you say you're not comfortable You can't just say yes or no to a relationship because of a vague feeling, okay? You need to figure out, that's the conscious dating part, right? Yeah. You need to figure out what you're feeling, like what's going on, what you want to answer that question, what's the problem? Maybe it's like a random thing in your brain that's just a misperception that you need to correct and there's really nothing wrong and you're not comfortable for that reason and you just need to get it out there with someone and like, okay, this is okay, you know, because of a trauma or because of, a value or because of an opinion or like something that's that's in your head or maybe there's a real issue that you're not comfortable with and you need another person to unpack that with you so the, the for me that the you know it's there i would say you know, sit down with somebody and actually unpack it and figure out what it is and figure out if it's something that you need to deal with or fix or, or break up the relationship or continue the relationship based on that or you know, but make sure you figure out what it is. Don't leave it there because your gut is telling you that something's happening and yeah. you need to figure out what your gut is trying to tell you. Ne- needing mentoring or coaching is not a
0: bad thing. You, you, it's very normal, especially, look, nobody gave us the tools. A lot of us weren't raised. We don't even have good role models for relationships that we grew up with. I mean, it's okay. And especially if you feel like you're doing the same thing over and over again, expecting different results. The best thing to do is just to be able to nip it in the bud and, and to be able to figure it out and, and move on. And you probably need some other person to be able to help you with that. Uh, here's another, here's a nice long question. You mentioned this numerous times in classes and lectures, I guess, referring to me. I find many people say, yes, they want to meet, but they're not ready, meaning you need to be in the mindset that you're dating for marriage. I've spoken to many women who are so consumed into work, that they don't have time to date. I think another class in preparing people to date, marry, and understand their priorities. What do you say to men and women who are not ready fully, but only fool others by putting on a front?
1: Okay, here we go, Rabbi. Say the thing. Say it.
0: Say Say the thing.
1: Say your line. Rabbi, say your line. Come on. You know your line? You have the line. Which which line? The line. Don't clog the system. Thank you. (laughs) That's your line. Make Thank room you. for everybody else.
0: I work, career, and relationships are two very big things, and often they cannot be in the same space at the same time. If you are focusing on one, to the it's gonna be you're gonna have to negotiate. If you're non-negotiable, is career, then you're probably gonna have to negotiate in relationships because you just don't have time for it. People want to be in a relationship. When I set somebody up and Then I find out, oh, well, I'm busy here, I'm busy there, I'm busy there. What do you mean? It takes time to get into a relationship. You need to be able to say, this is the most important thing that I should be doing with my adult life. This is to the exclusion of everything else. Right now in my life, it is the number one thing. Oh, I've been hurt. Oh, it's difficult. Oh, it hasn't happened yet. Okay. But if it's the most important thing and you really want it that badly, it's going to happen. But you're going to have to negotiate on a lot of other things in your life, career included. You can't expect to be working late at the office and not have time to date. I'm not saying don't work. What I'm saying is where's your head? Is your head in I want to be in a serious relationship? I want to get married. Okay, I won't use the big M word, but... I am going to use the big M word because we're going to say the thing tonight. Or is my head in luck? Well, if it happens, it'll be good. But yeah, you know, maybe it won't happen. Maybe that I got friends. I got things to do. Of course, you're not going to get into a relationship. Of course, you're not going to get married. You have things to do. There's more important things to do. So I I appreciate what this person just said. And I've said it so many times. And I, I can't stress it enough. As Rabbi Yosh said, would I say, don't clog the system. It's okay. You can say, I'm not ready to get into a relationship now. I'm going to hang out with my friends. I'm going to do my thing. I'm going to binge watch Netflix. I'm not ready for relationships. Okay. Yeah. All right. Um, More? There, yeah. Oh, yeah. There's lots of questions coming in. Uh, what about ambivalence?
1: Sorry?
0: What about ambivalence?
1: Ambivalence. I mean, it's a little vague. What do you I mean? Know, about what about what about know. It?
0: This is the question. What about ambivalence? What is that? Ambivalence. Maybe somebody was. Maybe somebody was googling words having to do with relationships, and
1: ambivalence came up. <laughs> okay. I mean, I. I've been ambivalence. <laughs> ambivalence is when. What to me the word ambivalence is when and at any of those three stages when you're not ready to you know, to, to accept it. Yeah. To accept what it is that you really want and you yeah. start, you know, like I, I've i experienced that with myself, with other people. I don't know. I like him. I don't like him. And I like him. And I also don't like him and I'm not sure I'm not this, not that it's like, you know, yeah, that's part of it. And, you know, it's part of the process of conscious dating is breaking down what's going on and, and being able to say, you know, just, you know, what you're attracted to might not be what you thought you were attracted to. And you just need to accept it. It's okay. Yeah. And we yeah. st- that's why we stick to the questions. Are you attracted? Do you respect?
0: Yeah. Right. Stay, stay on the path. Stay focused so, on what's
1: important. Yeah, stay Absolutely. On that, And if you're ambivalent because you, there's things you like about them and you also, you want to be in a relationship and you don't want to let it like, just that's okay. Get it out, out there. But it's learning to let those things go and not be ambivalent is just we have to be really clear. And that's part of what conscious dating is, is you, you know, in the main course, we're going to have journals and a process that you can go through after a date to analyze where you're at with the three stages and to analyze what's going on. And then to carry through from one failed relationship to the next, hopefully successful relationship, you know, no, I'm saying like once a relationship doesn't work out, a dating doesn't work out. What things do you take on to the next one to build your knowledge, to build your ideas so that you can get out of ambivalence and you can start defining more and more closely the truth of of what you're looking for and not be ambivalent about it. Like saying, I've tried this three times already. I can't be with someone who's like this. And I need to accept that, not be ambivalent about it. Right. And so you hopefully build up that that knowledge base uh, with that journal. Let's... um, for people who are dating. That's part of that course. And, um, that's how you deal with it is yeah. like, so um,
0: we have, I'm going to take, I'm going to take these last three questions here and then we'll, uh, we'll wrap it up for the evening. Um, one was a very interesting one. Uh, that is, um, it's difficult to negotiate when you have kids. Um, how, you know, how does that work with regards to relationships? That is, it's a, it's a very good question and a very complicated one. And it's true because like, you know, it's easy for me to say career, but kids, yeah, it, it becomes a lot more complicated when you are the primary caregiver for children. And you also want to get into a
1: relationship. Well, it's a it's, it's non-negotiable Yeah, and therefore you need to accept that the person who you date, who that's going to be successful, they need to accept it because for you, it's non-negotiable and they have to be okay with, with it. And they're going to, if they can be flexible and, and it works for them and, And they're cool about it, you know. They're willing to accept that that's not negotiable for you. Then it can be fine. So don't negotiate. Yeah, that's a non-negotiable. Don't negotiate it. The person is going to have to, if they can work with that, good. If they can't, let it go. Yeah, you know, or until they're ready to do that. Or it's definitely a non-negotiable.
0: Somebody else asked here. Can you please remind us why get married? And I'm kind of laughing inside because I just finished a year of writing a book called why bother getting married that's right i've
1: been working on that too. and
0: yeah i mean it's it's why get married everybody else why get married
1: go buy the book <laughs> oh then, come on that's easy <laughs> yeah i mean what it comes down to what is the purpose of marriage <sighs> throw it in the chat everybody what's the purpose of marriage Let's oh, see- i, I want to hear that okay. i want to hear what is the purpose oh. of marriage i love that it's a mitzvah okay Keep throwing it in. It's a great sales. Yeah, thank you.
0: (laughs) (laughs) I did not. It's a real question someone asked. I did not try to. that was not set up at all.
1: Growth. Growth. I like that. Life companion. Life
0: companion. companion. I don't want to be alone, someone just said. Creation. Creation. Growth. Have a fulfilling life. To be matched up with your soulmate. Oh, so romantic. (laughs)
1: partner in crime. Yeah. That person obviously direct messaged it. They don't want to know that they don't want everyone to know they're a criminal. Uh, that's to right. Become shalem, to become shalem. So yeah, everyone is is saying a similar thing, right? And the way it was expressed by David Schnarch, who is a really fascinating therapist, is it's the um, marriage is the gym in which you grow as a human. Or and, and or uh, another you know this this is highly offensive to many of you here but this is what you know david scharsch again a great quote is that i mean you say this all the time it's that, like you know it's you're if you if you're not in a long-term committed relationship then in some way you're handicapped emotionally handicapped the, there's there's certain ways that you can only develop yourself there's certain muscles that you can only develop through a long-term and committed relationship yeah. Right. And that's a, it's harsh. I mean, it's a create, you know,
0: well, it's, it's, it's the ability, you know, it's also the ability to be properly differentiated. Right.
1: Yeah. Well, that's all part True. of it. That's part of the process, but, you know, without yeah. getting into getting the details. So why get married? It's like, there are parts of you that you can't develop without another person, just like there are certain kind of exercises or trainings that you can't do on your own. You need a spotter to lift, uh, you know, to lift weights and you need, uh, you know, you need a partner to play tennis Um, there are some ways of things of development. There are some corners of your soul that you can't light up, uh, some dark corners of your soul that you can't light up without another person, um, to who's around you all the time who's committed to you, who you can be open with. There is just things that you will never deal with unless you're in that long-term committed relationship. And so that it's ultimately the gym where you grow as a human and where you become your fullest, truest self. And they do too. And that's really special and uh that's it that's the value everyone seems to be saying it everyone's on the same page about it so yeah that's why you get married i mean there's a lot more to it because i could have just
0: write that in the book but yes yeah <laughs> cliff's notes for the book uh i'm gonna think there's one last question here uh for a number of reasons primarily because the Habs are in uh are in uh, the third uh uh the third part of the uh the game and i like to see the end of the game well, we had this planned well before the Habs made it into the second round of the playoffs, and I wanted to honor Nobody this predicted they'd make it into the second round. Oh, they're winning 3-1. It's okay. Yeah, I know, I know, I know. Yeah. So, uh, this one is, years ago, I met a man who had everything going for him. He fell for me like a ton of bricks. Even after six dates, though I liked him a great deal, I had no romantic feelings for him. A friend later told me I should examine what is wrong with me. That I didn't fall for him. What are your thoughts? No. (laughs) No.
1: (laughs) No. It's really simple. Everything you're saying in that story points to infatuation. Yeah. On his part. Fell for you like a ton of bricks. And that you were not really into him. Okay. When two magnets are attracted to each other, they're both attracted to each other. That's the literal definition of attraction. Attraction yeah. when you know when you enjoy someone else, it's also because you're enjoying the fact that they enjoy you. So you're enjoying yourself, them and you're enjoying the fact that they're enjoying you right it's it has to go both ways. If you're sitting at a date and you're having a great time and you can see that the person' is just not into you the same way in a normal situation, you're not going to be very excited about that because you want that person to, you want to see that the other person is really enjoying themselves they're also into you the same way. Right. Exactly. And so what happens when, um, when what you're describing one person falls really hard and the other person doesn't, that's usually what we call infatuation. And you should absolutely not be in that relationship if that's the case and it's okay. Uh, You don't have to, you know, there's not necessarily anything wrong with you. Um, If you're, you know, if you don't have, if you have major issues and traumas and problems, there's like, if you never fall for anybody, if you never like anybody, if you're not attracted to anybody, then yeah, it's not just about him, right? Then. Then you need to get that looked at, right? You need to talk to somebody. If you're never attracted to anyone, if you never fall for anyone, if you're not into anything, if you're, if it never works, and it's not just him, then, you know, there's all kinds of, there could be things in your brain, there could be like neurological problems, there could be emotional, there's so many things that could be causing that, right? And you need to figure out what's going on, because it's just a natural human thing. You know, um, you know, unless you're, you know, they have names for now, asexuality, incel. I mean, you know, whether if you're, whether it's voluntary or involuntary, I mean, you know, it's, 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 you know, it's not like a, it's not a healthy human thing. Some people have a real, there there are problems in the brain that don't, that don't allow a person to develop relationships. And if that's the problem, it's a generalized problem, then, you know, that person might be right. And you have to talk to, you have to figure something out. Um, but if it's just this guy and you've been attracted to people before and you have normal things and relationships, and there's like, you know, uh you, you know, you you've been, you know, you have normal human feelings about people and you're just not into him, and he's into you a, like way too much, like you said, a ton of bricks. In that case, that's textbook infatuation, which uh we will give, you know, there's another class that Reverend F has given about that. And it is cool you um you were doing the right thing. By exiting the relationship, and also ultimately the better thing for him too, because. Thank you. Thank you, Rabbi Yosh. I just
0: made you co host, so you can make the poll yourself if you want to do that end of class poll that you said you wanted to.
1: Yeah, I just want some feedback because I'm still collecting my feedback. Where yeah. do I. Do you, do you have the ability to make a poll there? I'm trying to look. It should be on the
0: bottom of your screen. Is it? I don't um, see Okay, I can make the poll for you. What, what's the question?
1: Let me uh, I'll type it to you
0: okay. Um, while Rabbi Yosha is typing that to me, I want to just remind you that this, um, we're going to be doing this in depth, we're going to be going through this experientially. There's actually, I just checked while Rabbi Yosh was talking, and a number of you have already signed up for that course. And um, there's only three spots left for the women's and about 14 left for the men. Um, I'm going to put those back in the chat again if you want to take a look at them uh, you can see all the details each of the sessions what you should expect from it what we're going to be doing with it it's going to be brand new i don't know how often if you know when the next time we're going to offer this um, we're offering it for a very specific reason and um, we're really encouraging you to uh, be part of it especially if you are should updating or you are um, you know in that kind of matchmaker based dating it's really really important um Okay, and I'm gonna do this poll for Rabbi Yosh, and then we will end. Uh, should the should the answers be anonymous? Yeah. Okay. Uh, hold on a second. Sorry, one second, everybody. I'm trying to get to yep. this as fast as I can. Okay, anonymous. Uh,
1: Okay. Um sorry. Okay. I think
0: I got them all. And
1: question save
0: Okay, you can now see the poll. This is my uh, Oprah, Barack Obama. How did it go? Exactly. You want you want your other validation. I
1: need to know. But need be to honest. Know. Be honest. Be honest. I want to know if it's not very, and there should be, you know, um, I really it's it's anonymous, and we need feedback, and we expect that not everyone's going to enjoy or appreciate everything, which is totally natural and fine. We just need to, you know, it's very important for us to be able to uh, to uh, improve the experience. Also know, you know, whether we, uh, whether we need to carry it forward or whether we're barking up the wrong tree. We need to know. We yeah. need honesty.
0: Wow. Okay. Looks like uh, interesting uh, responses coming in. Um, okay. With that, I wish you all a fantastic evening. You know where to find me. You can email me if you have any more questions. I try to get to all of them, especially in a timely fashion. And sometimes it's hard, but I try to. Um, If you have any questions about the course or anything of the upcoming events, uh, please uh, message me as well. I will make sure to send you all the recording of tonight. And um, that's what I have to say for the evening. Have a good night. Enjoy the game. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye. Hi, Rabbi Bernath here. I have some great news for you. My popular four-week course, Kabbalah for Everyone, is available right now for free for the next 50 people who download it. All you have to do is